All right, so here we are, uh, week 75 in, in the pandemic here. Um, we are continuing our series on Philippians, and just as a reminder, it's, I think, a good practice as we're in this series. I know it's a short letter. Paul's, I mean, you could be done with it in 20 minutes, uh, and yet we can spend 20 years and not exhaust the truth of this letter. And so I want you to, as we're in this series, just be reading through it slowly, reflectively, contemplatively, so that when you come and hear the Word of God preached, uh, it's just God is more confirming um, some things that God is already speaking into your soul. And so today we're going to look at Paul. We're we're finally out of chapter 1. We're going into chapter 2 now. And Paul begins with these words in verse 1. Follow along with me. Paul says, Therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Lord, uh, we pray that even as we go through this, the top of the morning here, speak to us by your spirit that we may hear exactly what you have for us today as it pertains to cultivating joy in our lives. Uh, unify us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. One of the nice things for me about being in this pandemic is that I've been able to spend a lot more time with my family, more time than ever before. And one of the painful things for me about being in this pandemic is I've had to spend more time than ever with my family than um, ever before. Both things can be true at the same time. To be together is not an easy thing, amen? (laughs) And yet in the difficulty, I have experienced moments of grace. I've experienced many miracles of God. And I want to share one of them with you. Last week, I noticed that the apartment was unusually quiet, And it didn't hit me until a few minutes passed how quiet it was. And what I saw shocked me. You see, my kids were playing nicely with each other for over an hour. (laughs) They were playing nice with each other for over one hour. And I don't know whether you you believe in miracles or not, but this felt like a miracle to me. And the joy that it brought me was palpable. At one point, I was going to comment. I was going to go into the kitchen because they were playing by the sink. And I was going to go into the kitchen and just say, children, uh, you don't know the joy that you are bringing to me right now. But Rosie grabbed me by the elbow and said, are you crazy? What are you doing? And she kind of snatched me out of the kitchen. And we went into the living room to enjoy more of the silence together. As a parent, it is joyful, delightful to see your kids playing nice with each other, and not just for parents, but also with God. I believe God finds great joy in seeing his people 
play nicely with each other, that God rejoices over us. And there's a spiritual equation I think I'm going to, I want you to see out of Philippians 2 here that helps us understand how we get to this joy. And essentially Paul is saying this here, that, that humility plus unity equals joy. That's what we see in this story. That joy is a fruit of humble humility, which is why he says in verse 2, make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being, of, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul knows that joy is the fruit of unity. And yet, there's a problem before us. Because when we look at the world, we'd be hard-pressed to imagine God rejoicing over us. Why? Because humanity doesn't always play nice. And why are we often lacking joy? Because we are hardly unified. And so whether we're talking politically, whether we're talking theologically, whether we're talking about being unified on simple things like whether we should wear masks or not, whether we're talking about what's happening in our homes every single day, we often lack this kind of unity. Consequently, we lack this kind of joy. And yet the call of the church is to be a people who demonstrate what is possible with God. In particular, when we gather together, when we join together in one heart and one mind, we are a people who are to demonstrate what is possible with God. It was the ethicist and uh, theologian Stanley Harawas who said it this way, the task of the church is to serve as the best example of what God can do with human community. The task of the church is to serve as the best example of what God can do with human community. And it is in this part of Paul's letter that he writes as a concerned parent because his kids, as it were, are not playing nicely with each other. And actually it's stronger than that. He's concerned that they're not unified. Now, remember, Paul is writing from jail. The Christians at this church have supported him. They've been generous to him in his ministry. They've looked out for him. And he's generally happy with this church. He's not always happy with every church he writes to, but he's happy with this church in particular. They're doing good work. But Paul seems to be hearing things that concerns him. And he wants to encourage them into greater faithfulness to Jesus, which is what I hope to do today, encourage us into grateful faithfulness and greater faithfulness to Jesus. And so we don't really see explicitly what's happened, but by what Paul writes, we get a sense as to what he might be responding to. And we find that what he's responding to in verses 1 through 5, where he talks about unity. He talks about unity because he's probably hearing words that they are not as unified as they should be. Now, before we look at Paul and what he says about unity, it's important to ask where we've been. And Pastor Sharon preached about this message last week at the end of Philippians 1. But when Paul begins uh, uh, verse 1 in chapter 2, he begins with the word, therefore, therefore. And as a good Bible uh, tool, a good Bible strategy, in the Bible, whenever you see the word therefore, it's a good literary practice, you should ask the question, what is it therefore? Therefore, okay? And so if there's a therefore, there is a connection to something prior to what we're reading right now. And so in verse 29 at the end, this is what Paul says. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, 
and now here I still have. Look what's happening. Paul is saying, in light of what Christ has done for us, and in light of what we are experiencing together, we need each other more than ever. You see that? They're suffering. The, the, the people in Philippians, they're suffering. They're experiencing setbacks. They're experiencing complications. And Paul is saying, in light of the difficulty that you are experiencing, we need each other more now than ever. And that's God's collective word to us as well. In light of what we are experiencing as a church, in light of what are we experiencing as a, the body of Christ church, as much as we are experiencing as a, as a people, as humanity, we need each other now more than ever. And Paul writes this because it's in moments of crisis that it's easy to move apart from each other or to attack one another. Move apart or attack. And I don't know about you, but I find that to be true in my own little apartments. And so whether we're talking about your spouse and kids, whether we're talking about your roommates in Queens, whether we're talking about our church community, whether we're talking about the way we interact with each other on social media, we have a way of moving apart from each other or attacking each other and not being unified in the spirit. And this is what Paul is getting at here. We see how important this is for Paul because in the first four verses, he talks about unity six times. Look at it here. He says, I want you to be united with Christ, a common sharing of the Spirit, be like-minded, same love, being one in the Spirit, one mind. In four verses, Paul urgently writes about why it's important for them to be united. And what, what, I, need, what I need to say, and it's important to say every time we talk about this, is that to be united, unity does not mean uniformity. And it's important that I, I we say that on a regular basis. Unity does, not mean unif unity does not mean we're all going to agree on every single thing. Unity does not mean we're all going to vote the same in November. Unity does not mean that we are all going to see this pandemic through the same eyes necessarily. But Paul is saying to be unified is not necessarily about your opinions... It's about the state of your hearts, that our hearts are to be set on a particular way. And so when Paul says, be of one mind, he's not talking about opinions. He's talking about a particular mindset, the humble mindset of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on in this church, which would cause him to write these words, but we know what's going on in our world, <laughs> And why this message is important for us today. Because everywhere you look, we see disunity at work. The polarization is so thick in our society, so thick in our families, so, so thick in our churches, so thick in our own souls, that it's very easy to see it at work. In 2017, there was a New Yorker ca uh, cartoon that came out, and I, I love it. It says here, uh, this was Brad with the Democratic weather. Now, here's Tammy with the Republican weather. And I, and I just love that <laughs> because that's the, this is the world we live in now where everything is being politicized. Everything is about disunity. And so how is it that one, one party can give one uh, weather report and another can give another weather report in the same space? That's the nature of the polarization and disunity that we are experiencing at this moment. Now, the problem is not we don't, is not we don't see eye to eye on things. 
The problem is that we have a different mindset than what Paul calls us to. Because our society is marked by a polarizing mindset, a demonizing mindset, a canceling mindset, an in and out mindset. And we find ourselves captive to the powers of disunity. Just some, a couple of years ago, I, I was immersing myself in a study out of Stanford and Princeton University, and there was a paper that was uh, researched called Fear and Loathing Across Party Lines. And the premise of the study is that polarization as a result of political hostility is at an all-time high. And the summary of the research expressed the core findings in this simple paragraph. And it says like this. Our evidence demonstrates that hostile feelings for the opposing party are ingrained or automatic in voters' minds. And that effective polarization based on party is just as strong as polarization based on race. Now listen to this. The study reveals that the hostility is so deep and they contrasted it to a 1960s survey. In, 1960s, in the 1960s, uh, they asked the question, who would you be most upset about your child marrying? And the answer the parents gave in the 1960s was if they married someone from a different race or a different religion. Fast forward to our time here, that most recent study, they asked the same question. Who would you be upset most about your child marrying? What was the answer? If my child married someone from a different political party. (laughs) And you feel that, don't you? And this is the nature of how politicized things have become. Now, I want to tell you that this level of disunity is not out there. It finds itself within the life of our community as well. And I want to say about New Life in particular, that we are particularly predisposed to these kinds of problems. COVID-19, you know, all the research that goes out talks about that the most vulnerable people are those who are older, immunosuppressed people. That those have a particular uh, predisposition to this disease. But I want to say that our congregation we are particularly vulnerable to disunity because of our diversity. We are particularly vulnerable to disunity because of our diversity. And so listen to this. In our church, I know we probably forgot what it means to gather together, but let me just remind you of who we are as a church. In our church, we have Black Lives Matter activists and All Lives Matter congregants. We have pro-Trump and never-Trump voters who sit next to each other every Sunday, often without knowing it. (laughs) Because if they knew, they'd probably sit in the balcony or something like that. We have people in our church who see everything through a racialized lens, and we see people in our church who don't have a clue about what this racism is all about. And so we are particularly predisposed to disunity because of our diversity. But more than it just being out there, we are predisposed because of what happens in here in our own souls. And so this message here, what I hear Paul saying is this, that the call to Christian unity is a call to identifying the forces within us that make unity so difficult. This is what Philippians 2 is about. 
The call to Christian unity is a call to identifying the forces within us that make unity so difficult. We can blame everybody and their mother out there. But what Paul is saying is we have to identify the forces within us that make unity so difficult. I'm reminded of, uh, of, of a story told by Christina Cleveland, Dr. Christina Cleveland, in her book, Disunity in Christ. And um, I shared this joke some time ago, but I just love repeating it again. Uh, uh, GQ magazine uh, called this, this joke the 40, 44th funniest joke of all time by this comedian, Emo Phillips. And Emo Phillips talks about divisions within the church among Christians. And this is what he said in his stand-up routine. He said, I was walking across a bridge one day and saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off. And so I ran over and said, stop, don't do it. And he said, why shouldn't I? And he said, well, there's so much to live for. Like what? Well, are you religious? He said, I am. I said, me too. Are you Christian or Buddhist? He said, Christian. I said, me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He said, Baptist Church of God. Me too. Are you original Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? Reformed Baptist Church of God. Wow, me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1879 or Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915? He said, Reformation Baptist Church of God, Reformation of 1915. And I said, die, heretic, and I pushed them off the ledge. Yeah, that's the nature of where things are (laughs) in our world. Think about your relationships for a moment. We often lack unity because there's something going on in our souls. Like what? Well, the need to make others into our own image. Like what? Well, the need to be right all the time. Like what? Well, the need to be on top. The need to have the last word. The the forces of disunity are not simply out there. The forces of disunity are simply in here. And so Paul says in verse 3, he gets at the core of it. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. What's the problem with this unity? Well, selfish ambition and vain conceit. Now, what these two words are about very simply is this. It's about centering ourselves in all things. Centering our opinions, centering our experience, centering ourselves in all things. Why are we divided? Because we've often centered ourselves. Now, Paul knows that the community of Christ is called to cultivate a different mindset. A, a mindset that, that, that doesn't seek our own well-being, but seeks the well-being of others. St. Francis said it this way in, in, in his famous prayer. He said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. And then I love this particular part. O divine master, great grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. Paul says it very simply in this way. In humility, 
value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Again, here's Paul. Humility plus unity equals joy. Humility plus unity equals joy. And if we want joy in our own lives and in our world, we need to be working on that equation. Now, there are many angles to understand the virtue of humility, but Paul helps us see it clearly. That to practice humility in this way is to look to the interests of others. You want unity in your home? Look to the interests of others. Unity in your relationships? Look to the interests of others. Unity in the church? Look to the interests of others. And so the the kind of humility that Paul's talking about is is a humility that says, my needs are not the center of the world. The kind of humility that Paul's talking about really leads to questions like, how can I serve you? What do you need? You know, Rosie asked me that question last week. I was just, I was feeling overwhelmed with a lot of work. And she just looked at me and said, what do you need this week? And the, the, the joy <laughs> that came into our home. And I tried to return the same to her. What do you need this week? You see, you see humility plus unity equals joy. And beyond our homes, what if as a church we served our neighbors this way? I just learned uh, just a couple of days ago that, uh, that Pastor Helen of our church and our New Life CDC has started a fundraiser. And the fundraiser is called Tech for 100 Families, Resourcing Families in Elmhurst Corona. And as many of you know, those who are disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 are often those who are on the lower socioeconomic spectrum. That, uh, that the, the, the illness does not uh, uh, care who you are in terms of your race, in terms of your class and everything and such, but there is a disproportionate impact that the virus has towards people of color and people who are on the lower uh, socioeconomic spectrum. And so many kids don't even have devices or internet access. They need to learn right now. And so what we're doing as a CDC, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're looking to raise funds for 100 families in Elmhurst Corona so that these kids who are typically on the margins can be at, grow at the same rate as everyone else. What are we doing here? We're trying to do like Paul says. See your other interests as, as more than, important than ours. Value others more than we value ourselves. And so Paul gets to all this, and I want to just wrap this up here. Paul, he, he, he identifies the problem. He says the way that we live into this new uh, addressing this problem is by seeing others, as, uh, their needs as more important than ours at this moment, valuing others more than ourselves. And then instead of just ending his letter there, Paul then tells us about God as if to let us know why this is so important and why this is so possible. In verse 6, he says, he starts talking about Jesus. And he introduces what's known as the Christ hymn. And, and, and this is what Paul says. He says, Jesus, have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. What's the mindset? Here it is. Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of 
a servant. The first thing Paul is showing us is what God is like. What is God like? God is like Jesus Christ. And if you want unity, if you want wholeness, right relationships in your marriage with your children and our congregation on social media, look to Jesus. And what we find in God is this beautiful thing that even though we are so subjected to forces of disunity, the story of the Bible is very simply this, that God has always gone to great lengths to be united with his people. This is the story of Philippians 2. Paul says, be unified. Why? Because throughout history, God has gone to great lengths to be united with his people. And God, listen, God wants to be united with us with our bad attitudes. Amen. God wants to be united with us even when we're not praying. Amen. God wants to be united with us when we're cussing people out and when we're unfriending people on Facebook. God wants to be united with us no matter what. This is the extravagant love of God. And Paul says, why are we to be united? Because God has done everything to be united with us. And then Paul essentially says this, and if you want to know what your relationship with God is like, look at what your relationship with people is like. Because our relationship with people, very simply, and I would say always, is an expression of our relationship with God. And so why are we to work for unity? Because God has done everything to be united with us. What has God done? God has come in Christ, taken our sin, died on a cross, became a servant. And now he's, he's lifted above everything else. But, but make no mistake about the sacrifice that Jesus Christ does. He does everything in his power to be united to us. And so the story very simply in Philippians 2 is this. Look what God has done to be united to us. And as the people of God and the power of the Spirit, let us work to be a people united with each other. Let's pray. And even as we close this time here, I wonder if there's any forces of disunity within you that the Holy Spirit is calling you to identify at this moment to be a unified people doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything but we are to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ and this week I know there are areas I need to repent I've said some things on social media I've been short with certain people and I just realized, Lord, this is not your mindset. And so forgive me. And I imagine in our home, we haven't been asking that question. How can I serve you? What do you need? But we've been so fixated on our own selves. Lord, forgive us. And may we be people marked by the supernatural unity that comes in the spirit. Lord, grant us this day strength, Help us to walk in the kind of humility that Paul writes about, that Jesus embodied. And in our relationships at home, in our relationships online, in our relationships as the body of Christ, may we express the kind of supernatural unity that brings you joy.
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.